Before we begin, would you take a moment to show your support for this ministry? Head to hopepodcasts.com.au. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. So what I got? Movies are dreams that you never forget. Welcome to The Watch List. It is a marvelous episode for you today. Yes, we're getting ready for the Marvels. So we're going to be we're going to be talking about this new MCU adventure. But I want to make sure you remember, this is Russ Matthews from Real Dialogue and my faithful co-host. I'm Laura from Hope 103.2. And she's not a firkin, I promise. <laughs> so we're going to definitely kind of go in and kind of talk about this a little bit more. And we're looking forward to The Marvels. Actually, let me stop for a minute. Are you excited about a new Marvel MCU film coming out? Oh, I've got to be honest and say my excitement level has been moderated by the realistic experience many Marvel fans have had over the last few years where you don't know what they're going to do. Like it's there's there's not a guaranteed uh, delivery right. on that excitement when you go and watch the movies now. So I get excited, but it's like a measured excitement because I want to know what they're going to do with it. Yeah, that's right. It's they definitely have not done themselves any justice over the last few years, especially since um, since we kind of came to the end of Endgame. Um, but we'll see. I look forward to kind of hearing your thoughts on it. How about if I kind of set the stage for us, and then I'll let you kind of let's kind of talk a little bit about the Marvels um, and kind of also talk. We'll we'll kind of share whether or not you kind of need to be on the whole Marvel journey. That includes television and movies here in a moment. So where we're at is Carol Danvers, or Captain Marvel, um, is actually at a, kind of traveling throughout the universe, and suddenly um, she is transported back to New Jersey, where we come into contact with Camilla Khan, Ms. Marvel. And she's quite excited about that. I mean, Camilla Khan's quite excited about that, but unfortunately, she's actually swapped bodies with also with Captain Marvel. And this also happens not only between the two of them, but it's also happening between Monica Rambo. Uh, yeah, Rambo. So just uh, we'll kind of get you up to date on who those people are here in a moment if you're not familiar. But they kind of having this Freaky Friday kind of experience as they're traveling around the universe and kind of swapping places with one another because of a Cree um, Cree villain that's actually named her name is actually Darben, and Darben is actually trying to. She's got the same powers as Camilla Khan because she has this new band that she's got around. But it when she enacts the powers of it, it causes this trio to kind of all of a sudden swap places. And so within that, they have to figure out how to stop this kind of connection that they have, introduce themselves to one another, but then also stop the universe from being torn apart by this new Cree invasion so that kind of sets it up i'm trying to not spoil it too much even though i have a feeling in our review that there will be some spoilers because it's kind of hard not to talk about some of the key elements so just so you're aware so that's the setup and so laura i'd love to hear what your thoughts were uh, your initial thoughts were on the marvels well if hearing that setup makes you think huh What's going on? And, and and you don't necessarily feel fully across the plot. That is okay because it was the same experience for those of us watching it as well. Because what they're trying to do with this movie, at least at face value, it seems, is bring together these three independent 
superhero characters, these three independent females of the MCU, and then create this new trifecta, this new kind of team, which Miss Marvel really, in some respects, is kind of the instigator of the team side of it. Like she's just so excited to have her idol Captain Marvel there, to have who she dubs uh, as as Professor Marvel in the mix of this as well. And she really wants them to operate as this new kind of three. And so they kind of have to decide as they're trying to save the world, as they're trying to stop this kind of Cree invasion, are they going to do it together? Are they happy with being this new kind of team or are they really wanting to have kind of independence, I suppose, within that? What does that look like? So at face value, I liked what they were trying to do, that they're trying to look at the lens of – superhero identities through a different kind of mechanism than than what they've done with some of the other movies. But I don't think the delivery was as strong as fans of the MCU, as those that support this kind of evolution would really want it to be. No, I mean, it, 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 it was kind of a bringing together of all these different genres. I mean, that's one thing that when Marvel has done it right, you can tell when they've actually kind of taken from different genres and trying to kind of make a Marvel film within that, then also kind of connecting all of those forces. But this had a bit of kind of the strange old Star Trek movies, you know, where you have these people in obvious masks and then, of course, singing songs, which I don't want to kind of go into all that, kind of this freaky, freaky Friday kind of thing. But then on top of it's too kind of this um girls kind of getting to know one another i mean see i've not hung out at a slumber party but i think that that's what we were kind of experiencing um it's at one point in this whole film as they're traveling through space um and so you know because they had on their crocs and they had on their popcorn yes (laughs) they did they had on crocs and were eating popcorn but anyway but yeah it really didn't it seemed a bit disjointed but probably one of the big things one of the biggest problems i have is what they've done and kind of how they've written Captain Marvel. Because Captain Marvel is supposed to be kind of a Superman-type character in the Marvel Universe. She's invincible. She can fly. She can travel all these different places. She has her buddy that's a cat or a firkin, as you would call it. Um, But yet she doesn't have kind of that quiet confidence and charisma that you normally kind of associate with Superman. So it's kind of hard to like her. And I I know that some people would blame Brie Larson for that. But I think it's really the way that she's been written. Mm. Because because the other issue is, is that Camilla Khan was the most appealing of the three the three as far as a character but yet she's meant to be kind of more of a sidekick type type of character not the leader so there seemed to be kind of a flipping of the script and some challenges here that mm. really kind of made this a bit of a debacle to me. And it's strange because it's almost like Captain Marvel doesn't really know what her place is there. Like there's not, like what they've kind of done in some respects is muddle it a little bit too much because what makes some of the previous Marvel films so strong was that each of the heroes had such a distinct identity. The films had such a distinct flavor in their own right. Like if you were a fan of Captain America, you were a fan of him, his style, his kind of world. Same with Thor. Like that's so different from what you get from Iron Man. And then you bring Guardians of the Galaxy into that. And it's like that's the one with the comedy and the good soundtrack and all of that sort of a thing. Like each distinct hero had such right. a very clear objective, very clear identity. And when the first Captain Marvel came out, she had that. 
You know, there was, you could see who Captain Marvel was. You could have fun with it. You really got a sense of how Brie Larson fit into that character and what they were trying to do with it. But then this is the sequel to that movie. Like, let's not forget, this is, the Marvel is meant to be the direct sequel to (laughs) Captain Marvel. But there's been so many other things in between in terms of the spin-off TV series, the Miss Marvel series, that the character that you're brought in the Marvels from Captain America is quite different to the one that you get in the first film. And there's not that same, I think it's hard to relate to her as a character, as you said, because there's not really this like distinct anchor that makes her, her, and that you can really run with. Like if you're a fan of Captain Marvel, it's hard to sort of find her in this movie as much. And then what they have done with her is quite different from what they've done in the first film that right. it, it sort of dilu- it d- dilutes her power as a character, I think. Totally. And, and I, and that was the other thing too, is that we don't know, because both if you, th- Ms. Marvel and also Monica Rambo are brought from the television series. So that's, that's the two different television series, one from WandaVision and the other one from the Ms. Marvel television series. So if you haven't seen those, you don't even know who these people are, mm. but then on top of it, you're kind of going Monica Rambo, are you just here for emotional tension? Is that is, is that the whole thing? Because I really didn't even quite understand why she was even brought into the mix. I think there's some obvious kind of reasons probably that the, they were making as far as the character coming and being introduced. But I, I just didn't really feel like I connected with any of the characters. And I think that that's one of the challenges with a film like this when you're trying to connect with three different ones opposed mm. to one. But I guess that would be a big question that a lot of people would be asking too, Laura. Do you have to go back and see all the films that have Captain Marvel associated mm. with it? And would you have to see all the television shows, do you think? This sort of speaks to the unfortunate mess that it genuinely feels like Marvel are in at the moment. You know, I have been a fan since 2008 Iron Man. You know, I have exactly. loved these movies and followed along with it. But then as they have got to this point where they've released more spin off TV, TV series, I have to admit, I'm getting a little bit lost in it all, you know. And I think you do, in answer to your question, you do need to have seen Miss Marvel. You do need to have seen WandaVision if you're going to be able to fully kind of sit in this story to the extent that they want you to. If you haven't seen them, you're still going to be able to watch this and kind of catch up and get a sense of what's going on to a degree. But you're not you're not going to feel as fully invested as I think you they want you to. But then interestingly, it feels like they're kind of wanting to take an audience on this journey that aren't necessarily the audience that are available to go on that journey, if that makes sense. Like for the right. original fans of Marvel and those, I say original, I know there's a Marvel that existed before, like Iron sure. Man, but if you're wanting to take those people along this journey with you, the amount of content that is out there is not able in one respect for the majority of fans you're not going to be consuming the level of content that is now seemingly required for you to just have entry level access into these these movies and so then you go who are you like my biggest question after watching this movie was who are you making this for now and I'm okay if it's not me I don't mind if their focus is now on getting the next generation up and engaged in Marvel movies fine but they just seem to be doing it in a way that is almost in trying to include everyone and every character, you're losing all of them. And then I feel like they're really fragmenting and losing so much of their core audience as well. Oh, completely. I mean, the devotees are going to go. The Marvel, the MCU devotees will go to see this movie regardless. Actually, even us kind of having a kind of a pushback on this whole film would actually cause some people to go, I got to see this now. Yeah, yeah. but the devotees are going to feel a little alienated by it, I think. 
Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause for me, actually, as I kind of ruminated on it after we screened it there, um, it just kind of kept going down the list, down the list, down the list. I mean, as far as for me, as far as within, if you can believe there's been 33 films, you know, within the MCU just uh, on its own. And so within that, um, it, it, the thing was, is it hard to kind of say, is it the worst film of the MCU? I wouldn't necessarily put it there just because it's kind of hard. It wasn't as boring as, say, The Eternals. It wasn't as weird as, say, Thor, Love and Thunder. But it was a, a bit of a debacle because mm. I don't think it, this kind of goes to what your point was in that they there there's a missing of kind of who the identity of these characters are i mm. think they were fi- missing the identity of what this film was meant to do and yeah. and what what is the mcu really its purpose and why it's doing what it's doing it i it, if it doesn't show that this whole franchise needs a hard reset mm. i don't know what does because this yeah. is just needs to be kind of started all over we just to be introduced simply to each one of these characters and we mm. can just kind of build we want to build this new world of Avengers. But yeah. I don't know. I think it, that, we'll kind of see. That simplicity is probably what they need to um come back to a bit. Like again, if you go and watch this movie, I think it is gonna be one that makes you consider what like why does watching it feel the way it feels? Because there's a bit of story like there's sort of some story scripting stuff that makes it a little bit confusing and disconnected. Then you've got the character stuff that we've mentioned. Then you've got where they're trying to sit now within the whole cultural landscape sure. and everything that they're doing from that regard. It does take a minute to go, why why am I maybe not engaging with this in the way that I want to? And then why what is this evolution that Marvel are trying to achieve? And it was interesting. I actually read an article from Variety magazine that have gone like they've deep dived into this. Like I feel like there's a psychology now within the Marvel universe that you almost <laughs> exactly. have to process. And they right. kind of they, they were kind of setting it up in this way where you think Marvel used to just be movie focused in so many mm. respects. Then it's like their entire team is spread so thin trying to churn out the side TV shows, get involved in the streaming platforms, then get a new art going for the next generation and they kind of put it this way that with the demands of churning out so much programming the marvel apparatus has been completely taxed and so the need to tease out an interwoven storyline over so many disparate shows movies platforms has created a muddled narrative that baffles viewers that's what variety said and i think they sum it up perfectly it's like there's so many pieces now that you're a little bit like what the heck who's who how does this fit and it's like you've your success has almost undermined the simplicity and the strength of what made them successful and attractive in the first place. Exactly. They're, they're, they're the victim of their own success in a certain way. And so it's challenged. I mean, I think that they still have some great characters and I think that they really can get back to kind of doing something, but it has, it's gotten so convoluted and difficult to understand. And, and also you can't keep up with all of the content um, as it were. And so if that's the case, what we need to do is just kind of get back to basics, but and getting back to this film, I, I feel like they just, it is muddled. It mm. is difficult to understand. I was kind of curious because you and I had a great chat um, last night after watching the film, um, too, about the value of, I think sometimes we sometimes have that um, that complete move to another side of things in the sense that, you know, we move from being a very male-centric kind of Avengers to all of a sudden now trying to move to a primarily female-centric kind of mm-hmm. Avengers. And I really liked what some of the things you were saying in regards to that, um, not just because as a man, but it did kind of help me to kind of understand um, kind of even how this kind of sits and why it isn't necessarily the best 
action as far as for the MCU to take. I'd be kind of curious, kind of if you kind of want to tease that out a little bit. Well, I think this is kind of going to be what the makers of Marvel wish, or the makers of the Marvels rather, wish people would be talking about afterwards because the movie's groundbreaking in some really significant ways. It's a female hero team of three, you know, led by Captain Marvel. The baddie is a female. Like this is a female-led movie, which is something to note, is something that should have space to be celebrated, is something that should, you know, um, it's, it's notably distinct from all of the other Marvel movies and shows that we've seen before. But then strangely, I, I feel like the possibilities of that were undermined by the delivery. Like I, right. want, I wanted to celebrate a story that sees these kind of characters be able to take charge in a way. Like I just think, like I'm kind of careful how I express this because I don't think that you should have movies. The life is co-ed, you know. We exist in a world right. of male and female and everybody else in between that contributes to society. So you don't want what we see on screen to be an isolated version of real life, right? Like I think what this movie did was make it so female-centric or w- women-centric that you almost, you alienate, particularly in the context of these movies, you alienate a fan base who don't know where they fit now. Like, and some people will be like, oh, (laughs) boo-hoo, shame for the guys that don't know where they fit. Like, what a shame that you're trying to work (laughs) out where you fit in this female world. Like, sorry for you. Like, I get that. But I think, (laughs) you know, because I get, like, right? Like, it's like, oh, shame. You don't know where you fit. Like, welcome to some women's stories. But it's like, I even, from my perspective, thought what you've done is thin these characters down to the to a degree where it feels like when women lead these stories, they're kind of wishy-washy with it a bit or mm. like it's not as strong. Like Wonder Woman is one of the best of she the bunch. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Right? Like so it's right. like this can be done so well. It's disappointing when it's not. And I also thought you've in trying to kind of include everybody, you're alienating so many people because I know – I know for me watching movies like Captain America, like Thor and sort of as, as a woman watching it, you have an entrance into the movie because you like the story, you like the action. And sure, let's be honest, there's a lot of women that don't watch Thor for the action. Like they're there to see Chris Hemsworth, right? Like let's just what? be honest about that. So you have you show up for reasons that motivate you. For guys watching this movie, and I'm hesitant to make a generalisation, I don't I'll talk know. talk about the guys in the room. Yeah, yeah please do. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to show up for because right. you don't see yourself in the lead characters in any way. The story itself is not necessarily enough that you're excited for the premise of the movie. And I don't, I don't know where this whole chunk of audience is going to feel like they fit. And if it's, if it's Marvel's intention to exclude them, great, you're achieving your obje- objective. But if they're trying to take everyone on the journey i don't think they're doing it well yeah and 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 that's where it's gonna it's gonna struggle because i mean another thing for these films is that you they where they benefit from is that people going back to seeing it multiple times because you want to go and you want oh i can see this one see this and do i see this or i really connect with this character i love this story and even as a male but also just generally speaking it's not one that i necessarily want to go back and see again i'm not gonna say they're going oh yeah i want to see that again just so i can see if i can catch this or catch that it's like going no but also, you're right. You, you just don't ca- uh, connect with any of the characters whatsoever um, as a man. I mean, I, th- I think just it's it's just kind of hard to not that 
you can't because like I, like you were saying, Wonder Woman was phenomenal. I mean, I because that's one of the things I was talking about with my wife was I was just like when they have done this where they've actually had great um, superheroes that are female led that are done well in the original Wonder Woman, not Wonder Woman 1984. We won't discuss that, but we'll talk about Wonder Woman is that it was just it was great. And I think that they can do it well when they get the right character, the right actress at this kind of a part of it, but they really can make it happen and good storyline. Uh, but this one was just kind of all over the place. It was trying to do way too much. Mm-hmm. And I, you actually, I'm going to jump topics here real quick, just, but it kind of comes off of one of the things you brought up is that I found that within superhero films, that even when you have a superhero that may not be great or as compelling as maybe some of the others, usually what they do is make up for that with the villain. The, if it's a great villain, and I honestly, to me, the best superhero films are the ones that have a phenomenal villain. And um, this one, she was kind of meh. I, I I just didn't really, and it wasn't because she was a woman. It was just kind of like, I'm going, who are you? Mm. And then on top of it, how did you get that hammer from Guardians of the Galaxy? And also you don't have the infinity stone. So what's up with that? And Mm. so it just was kind of hard to even kind of get your head around why she was doing it. You really didn't know till almost two thirds of the way through the film, why she's doing what she's doing opposed to right at the beginning, um, kind of her vengeful intent. Um, And so for me, that was probably another letdown. It was here. You didn't have this great superhero characters, but then on top of it, you're kind of have a, Oh, villain. I'm like going, oh, you're doing some horrible things, but Mm. I really don't understand who you are and why you're, what your motivations are. And there's a lot to think about. Like I, it's interesting because I found myself this morning trying to think about why, like, why do we even wrestle with the idea of who is who in these movies? Like, I agree with you. The villain is not necessarily the strongest, even though the actress is working with what she's given, right? Like it's no, it's no issue with her and her portrayal. It's like, just who is this character and what are you doing? But then even that it's like I feel like superhero movies are really at like there's a cross, a sort of a crossroads happening. There's this next generation, next cultural era evolution taking place and it's like who's going to go on the journey and who is not and right. what kind of like if we want to, if you want to deep dive on it for a second and think about it from the perspective of where who do we see as a hero, why do we relate to them, what do we want to see portrayed as those that lead society, those that seem to have the ability to kind of quote unquote save the day on screen? What do we want that to represent? This feels like the crossroads that we're at. And it's like, why do we, why do we feel like we need a certain combination of male and female characters? Why do we need to see men and women in certain roles? Why is it something to wrestle with when you've got it being all women and something feels odd about that? Why? Like if you, you know, like I feel like there's a lot of kind of bigger cultural narratives and cultural norms that these movies are now really trying to uh, push up against, but that also makes us question it. You know, why do I feel strange that there's no kind of guy there that has a place? And like, that's me as a, as a woman saying that I'm like, guys, I feel like you're lacking. Where are you? But it's like, is that just me? Or is that something that we need to have a bigger cultural conversation about? You know what? Actually, that's the exact thing I was thinking. I think that what has happened too, it's not just that the MCU has has struggled with the change. Our culture has changed. I mean, you can have kind of, you can talk about the Me Too movement. You can talk about COVID and all the impact that that had on cinemas. You can talk about the recent strikes that are occurring. 
And then on top of it, just our cultures have completely changed and even kind of looking at where, what is male, what's female, all these sort of things. And I I know a film like this, maybe that's not maybe what their intent is, but it really does open up the door to that. And I think that that's where um, the changes in our culture in so many ways are really kind of dictating some of the struggles are being seen in the struggles when Mm. what they're trying to. Because they're writing to a very different audience than it was back in 2008. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's not just a generational thing. It's just that how we process things, how things are seen on screen, um, just you, 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 there's some things that would have been acceptable even 10, 15 years ago that now you're going, Ooh, maybe we don't go there, Mm. you know, kind of thing. And And so it's, it's a a positive, like I, when I was watching this movie, I was thinking about like when, you know, in Captain America and Thor, especially like there's the big kind of physical reveal of like the (laughs) muscles rippling, you know, like of your two main characters. That's not what these movies are trying to do anymore. Like I feel no. like the like the phys- what I'm trying to point out is that the physicality of your hero was so important and it was a feature of the movie and they wanted that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy as well when Chris Pratt is like suddenly ripped and it's like right. whoa these movies aren't about the physicality quite so much. Like I highly doubt the focus in interviews with the cast and all of this sort of stuff is going to be about like, what training did you do and how did you achieve that? Like that's not, (laughs) and in one respect, that's a really positive thing. Like they're they're moving away from the physicality of a hero being the most significant thing about them. That's, that's good. But I also think like you've said in this process of trying to write for a changed culture and write for a changed social dynamic, there's a little bit of sort of, what's the word? Like they've really got to work out how to do that for the movies themselves to be successful while they also try to produce for an entirely different kind of cultural context. That's right. Yeah. I think, I, I think it, it is, it's, it'll be fascinating to see how they address it and if they are able to even kind of turn the ship a little bit, because now I feel like this, this, it is not Titanic, but it is definitely a huge ship that is mm. moving forward. It's going to be hard to kind of turn things around. Yeah. Well, as we kind of come towards the end um, of the podcast, one of the things we do here at the watch list is put film through the lens of faith. In all of these discussions, I, I keep going back to, I said, you know, what's interesting. Our culture has changed, um, but yet the message of the Bible and also God hasn't. And even what we can actually see that you can actually have and actually get into a healthy conversation about even, you know, male, female roles. Um, what is it that we need as far as a savior or even the whole team dynamics thing, you know, the value of a, a team. If you can see, even though like say captain, captain Marvel is, is invincible and imperfect in, in a lot of ways, she still needs and sees and sees the value of the team kind of forming around her in a certain way. So I'd be curious, like, do you, I, I think that the, the actually we, there is a kind of a faith element that mm. you could really bring into this discussion that actually can lift it um, beyond maybe just the messaging of the film. Yeah. Well, one quick thought too, side note, this could be DC's moment to finally become like oh. the whoa, like the ones at oh. the top. Because if Marvel loses their minds, like DC, slide on in there and like, you know, do great stuff. But I do think there is a spiritual conversation <laughs> to be had around this movie because two things that stood out to me, I mean, one, even from our discussion right now, you know, there's a there's a sort of a very well-known passage within the Bible where it talks about how we're all different parts of one body, that we collectively right. make up the whole. And 
and maybe the challenge for this movie is that they're all hands. Like, where are your eyeballs? Where are your ears? Where are the legs? Like, this movie is probably, it it reflects a version of an entire body that is too many of the same parts. And I think that, that exactly points to, in scripture, why the way that we are meant to function together as individuals and all of Mm. our uniqueness within the church and everybody outside of it too. We're meant to be different parts that comprise one entire body, that we're meant to be different elements coming together. So yes, you want there to be people of all different kind of shape, sizes and everything else, right? But we're meant to be creating an effective whole. So when a movie like this isolates it down to one, one type of hero, one kind of version of who that is, that's probably a little bit of why this is falling over because you're missing so many other parts of the body. But then the second thing that really stood out to me too that seems really core to this movie is the fight for power and what happens when power is misplaced or what happens when too much power is assigned to one individual because one of the aspects of this storyline is about each of the, the different marvels, they all have a kind of power that relates to light and that's the thing that is intersecting their different powers and that's what the villain is trying to absorb as well. And you do see what happens when power is concentrated, you know, yeah. and I'm not trying to get us to read between the lines too much on that but I'm just saying the relationship to power that these characters have and that this movie deal deals with, that's a really interesting thing to consider. It is, you know, because you can go through, you can kind of see the the value of all all the whole being part of the whole, and then also the value of power, but then also that we need one another. That you know, because if you can see that kind of the Captain Marvel character, she has been living a very isolated existence. She lives out in space. She kind of does things on her own, but then it's it's kind of a hard transition to all of a sudden bring the three of them together but to actually seeing that you know it's very it's kind of like that kind of ecclesiastes kind of you know we kind of come together and we, there's a value we can be there to, to lift each other up we can be there for one another in so many different ways so there's a friendship element but then also a teamwork element that really comes along that i think that you can see from a film like this and so again i mean even with a film that kind of struggles maybe in its own storyline it does kind of still point to things that we could really have an effective conversation afterwards um after you kind of get past the whole i'm going to say it musical scene but besides <laughs> but, but, but within that and then to answer to kind of just kind of answer your one point i said yeah you know what this is actually that moment for dc i think james gunn could can kind of step in right now with some of his dc properties and go yeah, you know, I mean, this actually makes Black Adam and Shazam Fury of the Gods look pretty good, doesn't it? You know, or Blue Beetle. Oh, so, that's a lot uh, to say. That's a lot. That's, that could be a stretch. <laughs> it is a stretch. Not too far. No, Blue, Be- <laughs> Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle does deserve good attention because it was fun. It does. Oh, it's so good. I love Blue Beetle. But anyway. So, but anyways, okay. So the big question to end our podcast with today. So does this go on your watch list, Laura? Look, I think if you've got the opportunity to see it in cinemas, we went to an IMAX screening. The yes. IMAX experience of this was brilliant. Like that, That's cool. That adds something to it that just makes it a whole lot of fun. I do think it's – like if you're a diehard fan, you're going to see it anyway. If you miss this, I don't think you're going to be missing much. It's okay if you don't see it. I feel like this is what I've said for a few of the movies we've reviewed in the last few weeks. They're like, they're like take it or leave it. Eh. And it's like, yes. So I would kind of put this as a – Watch if you're going to see it, go all out, do IMAX, do the cinema so you can fully experience it. But if you're right. kind of lukewarm to the whole idea anyway, it's okay to wait for streaming and watch this on a lazy Sunday. 
That's right. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be one that I kind of come down on probably probably with more of an emphatic no, it wouldn't go on my watch list. But that that means, you know, the Marvel fans are going to go see it. And I say yes, if you're going to see it in cinemas, which I probably would say it's still worth seeing in cinemas. See it on the big one. Mm -hmm. See it on the big screen. Get a big bucket of popcorn and get your friends together. Go ahead and have some fun doing it. Uh, But this one doesn't go on my watch list as far as for the year. So anyway, hey, we come to the end of another episode. It was marvelous, as we would say. So as far as with you, Laura, today. And uh, so just as a reminder, you know, you can definitely download the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And also you can go to the YouTube channel, the Hope 103.2 YouTube channel, as well as other podcasts that um, Laura is a part of there at Hope 103.2. So we definitely encourage you to be a part of that. And we just thank you for being a part of the watch list. And until next time, grab your popcorn, grab a seat at the cinema, and we'll see you next time on the watch list. Lovely. All right. I will stop recording the video for us. Hi, this is Laura here. To continue to produce programs just like this one, we need your help. This month is our November appeal. Head to hopepodcast.com.au or click the link in the description to show your support. Thank you.